Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. If you go to New York City, right outside the RCA building, there's a statue of the Greek god Atlas, muscle-bound. He strains under the weight of the world. If you walk right across the street, you can enter in St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there in St. Patrick's, there's a statue of the, the boy Jesus at just eight years old sitting right there firmly in the palm of his hand is the world. And it is a cultural, artistic object lesson for us all that you can decide to try to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders if you want to. But how many know this world is heavy? And every day we face this world of decisions, the challenges, the opportunities, the stress of it all, you can try to bear up under that, or you could cross the street today, and you could surrender all of that into the hand of the one who is fully capable of holding your world together. We're kicking off a brand new series called Raising the Flag. And the first flag that I want to talk to you about in this series is the white flag. Now, we all know, some of you thought, This was going to be my Pentecostal hanky here today, but um, this is going to represent that white flag of surrender. We all know that for years now, centuries even, um, at least on the the field of battle, there has um, been uh, an occurrence when one uh, army is um, yielding to an opposing army, that they will signal that, that yield, that surrender by waving a white flag. I bring all that up just to simply say that surrender is such an important aspect of every one of our lives, especially when you think of it on spiritual terms. In fact, salvation itself, what does it mean to be saved? It means to be right with God. It means to be forgiven, to have an assurance in our heart that we have right standing with the God who created us. It means that we have an assurance in our heart that we're prepared to meet God in that eternal setting beyond this life that we're living now, salvation. Salvation begins with surrender. We have to surrender ourselves to the one who has provided so great a salvation. But then as we move on into our, our life that we live out for him, for his glory. Surrender continues to be an integral part of how we serve the Lord. We have to consistently wave that white flag before the Lord in in areas that we need to yield to him. Today, perhaps, um, what you need to surrender is to a calling that you know God's placed on your life. There are things that God has laid on your heart to do, to achieve and to accomplish, and yet you've been running from that. Jonah, there in the Old Testament, could tell us a few things about trying to run from the call of God. We, we have to surrender. Don't make a whale deliver you to that place where you obey God, right? 
Or maybe you're needing to surrender some dreams, some things that you've always wanted, some things that you've hoped for and wished for, maybe even all your life, and God is asking you to yield all of that. I think Abraham could talk to us a little bit about that from the Old Testament. Maybe your dream, like his Isaac, needs to be laid up on an altar where we just yield to God. We wave the white flag and and we surrender. Maybe it's a family member that is giving you such grief, such heartbreak. And you just don't know what to do. You feel like you've gone your limits with this member of your own family. And and the very thing that God's asking you to do is just simply surrender. There's a passage of scripture in the New Testament uh, specifically about the life of the Apostle Paul. Actually, before he was known as Paul, he was known as Saul. He was a religious zealot. And he took it upon himself to put an end to this thing we now know as Christianity in its early infancy stages. He saw it as a great threat to the Judaism that he practiced, and so he decided to just shut it down. He did that, uh, or at least attempted to do that, by persecuting Christians, imprisoning Christians, and even putting Christians to death. But he was on the road to Damascus on one of those self-appointed assignments when he had an experience with God that changed his entire life. And I want to just read with you Acts chapter 26, we'll begin at verse 12, where the Bible says, on one of these journeys, Paul says, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest. About noon, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions, and we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads, or some translation says to kick against the pricks. And then I ask, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen of me and what I will show you. And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified or set apart by faith in me. What an incredible, incredible story. And I want to just kind of unpack it with you in the few minutes that we have together here today. I want to just unpack this passage, and I want us to see from it what it really means to surrender, because there are so many of us, either here in this room today or joining us online, that need to surrender to God, that need to surrender something or someone to God. And so as we unpack this passage, let me make my first observation. The call of God to surrender will always come in a language that you can understand. I want you to know today that God knows how to speak your language. When he got ready to call Saul to surrender, he spoke in Aramaic, the language of the day, the language that Paul would have spoken, he spoke so that he could make sure that Saul understood what he was saying. And can I say one more time, God knows how to speak your language too, He knows how to get your attention. He knows how to open your eyes. He knows how to communicate with you. Verse 14 says, we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic. Years ago, um, I was here on a Sunday morning. This was before I was the pastor of the church. I was a youth pastor. I was also the worship leader, and I was leading in worship on a Sunday morning. There was an international student that was here with our friends, Eric and Annabelle Truel, who oversee 
um, Chi Alpha University Outreach. And they had this girl they had led to the Lord, a student from China, was with them. And she had really been wrestling after making that commitment to Christ. She had been wrestling with the idea of, do I be water baptized or not? Because she knew that once she got home there in China, that she could be persecuted, she could be ostracized by her family, maybe even put in prison. And so she was really wrestling with that decision. Between two of the songs that I let out on that morning, um, I was just kind of caught up in the spirit of the moment, and I just began to sing in an in an unknown tongue, unknown to me, I begin to sing in tongues, which is not an uncommon practice here, speaking in tongues, singing in tongues. We believe very firmly that the scripture teaches that that's a New Testament practice. And, and so I just, man, just, it just spilled over and I began to sing in this unknown tongue. As I said, it was unknown to me, but when I began to sing in that language, she reached over, this Asian student reached over and grabbed Eric and said, does he know Mandarin? And Eric says, I assure you, he does not. And she said, well, he's speaking in perfect Mandarin right now. And I don't know what the Lord spoke through me that day as he gave me a divine ability to speak in a language I've never learned, but it was exactly what she needed to hear. She was baptized the very next week. And the last I heard from her, which was two years ago at our general council with the Assemblies of God, she is involved intricately in the underground church there in China, winning people left and right with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, hey. Can I say one more time? God knows how to speak your language. Can I just point out that the language that he spoke to Saul that day wasn't just Aramaic. He also spoke the language of pavement. Because when that light shone upon those men, it knocked him off his donkey. I can remember the day 40 years ago when God knocked me off my donkey. And I'm so glad that he did. Paul's or Saul's donkey was taking him to persecute Christians. My donkey was taking me to bar rooms and drug deals and, and everything that was destroying my life. And then the glory of God was revealed to me. And it knocked me off my donkey, man. He, God spoke the, the, the language of pavement to me that day and to Saul that day. Look, he knows how to get your attention. If, if that were not enough... When he got up off that pavement, he was blind. God even spoke to him through temporary blindness and then sent him to the home of a prophet named Ananias who spoke to him, laid hands on him, and he was cured. He could see. He spoke to him through healing. He spoke to him through a prophet. God has a number of ways to speak to us, and he's speaking to many of us today. The question is not, is God speaking? The question is not, does God speak in a language I can understand? The question is, will I answer and will I surrender? That's the question today. Surrender also requires that we submit, not just to God, but to God's plan. Look at verse 16. God tells Saul, get up, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. Most of us have no problem submitting to the idea of a God who is loving and kind and forgiving. We love the idea of redemption and forgiveness and all of that. We don't have a problem surrendering to God, but to God's plan. To know this one who redeems us, rescues us, changes and transforms us, actually has a plan, sometimes that's not the easiest thing to surrender to. And yet real surrender 
says, I don't just surrender to God, I surrender to God's plan. Even Jesus had to do this. We remember the moment in Gethsemane before he was crucified where he cried out to God in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Can I just ask you, as it relates to surrender, are you praying Jesus' prayers today? So often our prayers sound like, God, I want, God, I want, God, I need, God, I hope, when in fact what our Jesus' prayers should sound like today is, God, I want what you want. I surrender to what you want. Isaiah 55, verse 7 through verse 9 reminds us that we're to let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. We're to let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, says the Lord. See, surrender requires trust. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to allow him to take you the way he desires, even over the way that you desire? Will you surrender today? Here's another thought from this passage. When we refuse to surrender, we only hurt ourselves. In verse 14, Jesus says to to Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. The prick or the goad was an instrument that farmers would use with their oxen. As they're plowing along, if that oxen got stubborn and didn't want to go any further, they would goad them with this instrument, this sharp instrument, and if the ox kicked back against it, he only just hurt himself more. Can you see yourself today? Can you see yourself kicking back against what God is trying to push you towards or pull you towards or lead you in? We're only making things worse. Proverbs 6, verse 27 and 28 says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? A a perfect example of this is when we refuse to surrender and forgive someone who's done us wrong. We hold on to that grudge as though that's our right to carry that grudge throughout the rest of our life. But Jesus said to be forgiven, we must be willing to forgive. And we kick against it and kick against it. And we're only hurting ourselves. Someone once said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, waiting for the other person to die. No, 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 no. You're just hurting yourself. You're kicking against the pricks. You need to surrender. Surrender, when I see this passage, surrender is really about lordship, isn't it? It's really about lordship. In verse 15, after he gets knocked off his donkey, Paul cries out and says, who are you, Lord? Seems like he knew who he was. Who are you, Lord? At the heart of real surrender is this idea of lordship. It's this idea that that I'm not in charge. He is. He's God. I'm not. Can we all say that together? He's God. I'm not. That's what surrender looks like. It acknowledges the lordship of Jesus Christ. Can I remind you today, you and God can't be Lord at the same time. He can't sit on the throne of your heart and you sit on the throne of your heart at the same time. Philippians 2 verse 9 through 11 says, 
that God has highly exalted Jesus and given him a place and a name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You can rest assured that is going to happen. Everyone who's ever had breath is going to one day confess the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's not the question. The question is timing. Will you do it now willfully through surrender or will you do it then when every knee is forced to bow and every tongue is forced to confess who Jesus is? I call on you today, make it a now thing. Make it a a moment of surrender here and now where it can result in salvation. Another thing I see in this passage is that surrender begins on our knees, but it winds up on our feet. Uh, Getting on our knees before God, humbling ourselves, is an important aspect of surrender. It's where everything starts, but it ultimately ends up on our feet. In verse 16, Jesus tells Saul, get up, stand on your feet. Why? Because God has an assignment for all who surrender. Every one of us that have surrendered our, our heart, our will, our life to Jesus We have an assignment from God. And at some point, you get up off those knees of surrender and you get on feet of surrender, right? You get in a standing position of surrender that says, where you lead me, I'll follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where where you send me, I'll go. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I wanna make sure you understand today that ultimately, God doesn't wanna knock you down. He wants to raise you up. And that's what happens when we surrender. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Let me get ready to wrap this up. I want to show you the results of surrender. What will happen if you're willing to stop kicking against the goads and just go on and surrender to the will of God in your life today? What's going to happen? Number one, you're going to see God in a whole new light. Verse 13 says, about noon, Paul says, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. And for the first time, Saul saw who Jesus was. The one he had been fighting against, warring against, battling against, opposing at every turn. He saw him for who he was, and he couldn't help but surrender. I don't think we see God like we should. I think so often we see him as this stingy God trying to keep something from us. We see him as this ornery God that that just wants to kick us around, when in truth, he is a loving, compassionate father that wants the very best for us. And if you would just surrender, you'd get a real glimpse of who God is. Saul did. And we can, and I believe that's why Saul, who later became known as Paul, wrote by inspiration in Ephesians 1 verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. There was a a dad that wanted to create a little game for his son one day, and he was looking through a magazine, and he saw a picture of the earth, the globe. And he took and tore out the picture and he, and he tore it into pieces, 
called his son in, and he said, I got a puzzle for you. And he put it on the coffee table there and said, see if you can put it together. And he walks into the kitchen to get him a cup of coffee, left the boy there with some scotch tape and all those pieces. He was only in the kitchen for a few minutes, and when he got back, the boy already had it perfectly in place, taped up, and ready to go. And the dad said, wow, that's impressive, son. How did you do it? It was then that the little boy flipped the picture over. And what the dad had failed to see was on the other side of that picture in the magazine was a picture of Jesus. He said, Dad, when I got Jesus in place, the world just came together. Can I tell somebody today, if you'll just get Jesus in place, if you'll just surrender to him, turn the throne of your heart over to him, the whole world will come together like it, like it should. I wish I could hear from somebody, God, put your world back together. Come on, give him praise if he did. Number two, the result of surrender is we come under God's protection. I love verse 17. Jesus told Saul, I'll rescue you. Somebody needed to hear that today. I'll rescue you. Sometimes we need to be rescued from ourselves. That was my life 40 years ago. He said, I'll rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I love the fact that God has the ultimate witness protection program. Come on, you've watched those movies where someone testifies on behalf of the prosecution and it's the state prosecution and, and, and because there's a great threat, maybe they testified against the mob or whatever, they put them in this witness uh, protection program and they, get, they give them a new identity and they put them in a new place, right, as a means of protection. Can I tell you 40 years ago, that's exactly what Jesus did for me. He gave me a new identity. He put me in a new place and he's been protecting me for 40 years. I know there's a lot going on in our world. I know the world seems troubled and chaotic, and it seems like things are coming apart at the seams. I know that more and more and more, it seems like a great threat is rising up against everything we believe, but I need you to know I'm not losing any sleep today, because if God be for me, who can be against me? God's got me. He's protecting me. Until he's done with me here, there's nothing the enemy can do to take me out. Come on, church. It's the ultimate witness protection program. Psalm 91, verse 14 through verse 16 said, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I'll, I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him. I'll honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Surrender to God. He'll protect you. Number three, the result of surrender is that others will surrender to Christ as well. In verse 17 and 18, Jesus spoke to Paul and said, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The moment you surrender, you're gonna see other people begin to surrender because in your surrender, they will see the key to everything they're looking for and have been unable to find in this life and in this world. Your surrender will result in the surrender of others. We see it happen all the time. One member of the family gets saved. Before you know it, the whole family serving God. Come on, y'all. One person gets saved. Everybody at work gets saved. The whole neighborhood gets saved, or at least a lot of them. It's the way surrender works. I'll close with this. Surrender results in transformation. Acts chapter 9 and verse 21 is now a reference to Paul that we once knew as Saul. And the scripture says that all who heard Paul were amazed 
As he's preaching, they, they were amazed. And here's what they asked. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? Isn't that this guy we've heard about, this persecutor of the Christians? Isn't that him? Well, it doesn't look like him anymore. Why? His life has been transformed by surrender. And your life can be transformed as well. They say that when the Confederate Army got ready to surrender to the Union Army, after years of battle, the white flag of surrender on the part of the Confederate Army was actually just an old white dish towel. And when I read that sometime back, I thought, how appropriate. Because you know, when you surrender, usually you got some stuff to mop up. On the part of the Confederate Army, they had a lot to mop up. Years of slavery, brutality, racism, hatred, prejudice. Truth is, we're still mopping it up today. Can we get, can we get real? We're still mopping it up today. And when you surrender to God... I think the most appropriate white flag you could have would be a dish towel because you're going to have some stuff to mop up. I love the story of Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. <laughs> Actually, he was a tax collector that was hated. He treated people so horribly. He took advantage of them. But he heard Jesus was coming to his town. And he wanted to see him, and he was short in stature, so he climbed up in a sycamore fig tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. And when he saw him, Jesus stopped under that sycamore tree, called him down, and said, I'm going to your house today. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to your house today. And, and do, you, do you remember the story? The first thing Zacchaeus does is, I'm going to make my wrongs right. I'm going to mop up the messes that I've made. Lord, I surrender. And, and, and if I've taken advantage of people, and if I've robbed people, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to pay them back with interest. What, what's he doing? He's surrendering and using the very white flag of surrender to mop up the mess that he made. Some of us are going to have some messes to mop up. As we finally yield to God and surrender our life to him. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Jeff Abels and I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart as you've listened to this message and you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you have no real assurance that you are right with God, if you cannot honestly say you've been living for God and you know that needs to change, I wanna invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means God loves you and God's ready to save you. He's just waiting on you to call on Him. Why don't you call on Him right now by praying a very simple prayer with me. I want you to repeat the words of this prayer after me. Let those words come right from your heart. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from God. And I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. Through faith in Jesus, 
I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive all my sin and change my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I wanna live for you. Help me to do that. And I thank you right now, even as I pray, according to your promise, my sin is all forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we would really love to know about it. We'd love to give you some next steps to get you started on your brand new journey of faith. What I'd love for you to do is just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. And someone will connect with you to provide you with some resources that I think will help you greatly. Again, just text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 337-222-3210. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today, and God richly bless you is our prayer for you.